Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for jumping on board along with my co-host of five and a half years and friends since we watched Manute Bowl and Muggsy Bogues play against the Rockets at the Summit. RGC will check it in from his Hollywood mansion. How's it going, man? Love her to be a Hollywood mansion, but it is the big week. It's the Academy Awards getting ready for the Oscars. Are you? I've got my Oscar De La Renta tux. Is that, doesn't he make the tux? I don't know. I don't know my fashion. Doesn't he make the tuxes? Or? You got a Giorgio Armani tux. You know, I know you have a closet full of tux. You're a uh, clothes hound, so you know I'm, I'm sure you have like the tux that you can pick out. Do you have like a, a brightly colored tux? You know, I've got some cool little bow ties that I've I've picked up along the way, and bow ties and fedoras. You yeah, on the red carpet, as long as it's outdoors, correct? Yeah, I, I, that'll work. Uh, more than anything, though, I know you've got to be excited when you look at your Twitter timeline and see the slow mo shots of Wade Miley and Colin McHugh bullpen sessions, right? <laughs> Yeah, who doesn't get excited about that doing video breakdowns of the Astros pitchers before games have even started in the spring? Unless you're Brent Strom, I'm sure that he is, you know, absolutely loving all of that. <laughs> Best spring training story so far, Brad Peacock adding a change up. Yuli's got a new hairdo, or the guy's got Forrest Whitley a jersey that says daddy on the back of it. What's your best one of that? Your favorite one of those? Wait, what's Yuli's new hairdo? You mean he's uh, gotten rid of the the troll hairdo? I think it's more of a variation from what I've seen of the video. It's kind of a variation of that. But, you know, one reporter, and I know you and I know this guy very well, uh, this particular reporter, I'll let him remain nameless, tweeted out, quote, Roberto Asuna has not lost weight. I don't know, RG. Is that a story? Did he look like Charlie Kerfeld last year? I, 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 I just like what? What are we doing here? It's like they're desperate for stuff in spring training, aren't they? Yeah, and a lot of it's because there's still unsigned players out there. They're, uh, you know, the off season used to be as soon as uh, everybody pitchers and catchers reported, it was everybody was signed and ready to play, or most of Major League Baseball was. But nowadays, I mean, they're still like, look at the Astros. I mean, Dallas Keuchel and Marwin Gonzalez, two big contributors to the World Championship team, uh, two big contributors again to the team last season. They're still unsigned, and they're not going to be coming back to the Astros, most likely. They're still looking for multi-year deals elsewhere, but it's it's just kind of odd. And so what's kind of hanging over the Astros right now, they're still a, a, an excellent ball club, but it's more of like, you know, when, you, when you're when you talking about well, who's going to be your fifth starter and, and how you're going to organize your bench, those are good problems to have. Or as you always like to, to say, you know, the, the problems that, that rich people have or rich organizations have. Did I miss any big Astros news? I mean, I, I mean, here I are and these, these guys – Hey, Altuve looks healthy. Correa looks healthy. Correa's doing yoga now. I, I, that, <laughs> that's what I got. That's what I got from the Astros. Well, until the games start, I mean, the big the big news is, of, of course, kind of what you've already said there is like, I mean, Bregman, you know, had the surgery in the offseason. How is he progressing? You know, Altuve, of course, right after the season ended, had his surgery. So how is he doing? And Carlos Correa, I think that's a big thing that we probably should discuss going into the season. Look, the guy, he looked lost at the second half of the season at the plate. He got a little bit back during the playoffs, but he was, you know, struggling with his mechanics. He says he's sound. He's ready to go. He's fixed whatever it was that had been been bothering him. So now, you know, can Carlos Correa take that step forward this year? Sure could use it. I mean, I wanted him to make the step forward uh, last year and 
maybe the injuries got him, but he wasn't performing all that well before the injuries. Uh, I, I guess the big story, and we're we're recording this Tuesday. It's uh, uh, gonna go up on the website on Wednesday, but Manny Machado, 10 years, $300 million from the Padres. And first of all, uh, can somebody please give me $30 million a year to live in San Diego, RG? I mean, that's the first thing I think of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're going to have $30 million and making it anywhere and be able to live. I mean, San, San Diego is a great place. Have you ever been to Petco Park to watch a game? I, I've been to the, you and I went to the old Jack Murphy together, but I haven't been to Petco yet. No. Oh, it's one of the best places to watch a game, in my opinion. It's 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 excellent. So not only are you downtown San Diego and the harbor just a few steps away, but it's just a great stadium, old-time feel there to it, like a lot of the newer stadiums are. It's got all these restaurants and bars, like right outside the stadium, too. So very festive environment. So And it's San Diego with the great weather. So, I mean— you know, most of the time you're going to be watching baseball in just a pristine environment. So, I mean, it's exciting for baseball because most of the time, look, when they have these big contracts, where are they going? They're going to New York or to Boston or Chicago or to L.A. or Philly or Washington, maybe Detroit when Mike Illich was alive and spending that money. So, I mean, it's been the same places. And this is finally kind of like, you know, a smaller market that's spending big on a free agent. So in that way, it's exciting the Padres have a, a really good farm system. I mean, they have member for Fernando Tatis. You remember watching him in baseball? Well, his son, Fernando Tatis Jr., is after Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It seems like we're recycling everybody. Hey, the, the juniors of all these players, you know. But Fernando Tatis Jr. is one of the he's the number two prospect in the game to a lot of people after after Vlad Jr. And then they have like one of the top left-handers coming up in the game and Mackenzie Gore. They have that uh, catcher Mejia that uh, made his uh, debut with the Padres or Indians last year. They got him in the Brad Hand trade. So they're like, you know, kind of what the Astros were building up uh, and then be able to to make that leap. I don't know if they're there yet because their pitching still needs work, but they have such a deep farm system. I think they had nine or 10 of the top 100 players in, in baseball, according to Brett. So they have room to deal they have room to make additions to their roster. So when we were looking at the National League West and saying, well, the Dodgers are automatic here, and they still are. The Dodgers are the best team. They've been the World Series two years in a row. But the Rockies, you thought, okay, well, you know, coming off playoff, how are they going to really get better this offseason? I mean, it kind of that that wild card or, or, or even challenging in, in the NL West, you know, the Padres could be that kind of surprise sleeper team. So it'll be interesting to see how they build around Manny Machado. And, of course, they had – Eric Hosmer that they signed last year. By the way, if you put Machado's or if Machado's teammates, I should say, put daddy on the back of his uniform, like they put the daddy on the back of Forrest Whitley's uniform, it would have dads on the front and daddy on the back. So it's a, it's a little uh, Espanol humor for you, I guess. But uh. <laughs> hey, the, by the way, San Diego, the Friars, they're going back to their old uh, brown and mustard. They're going back to the old look. They're they're. They finally said we we're going to embrace the brown. I love it. I love it. That sounds great. By the way, I think also, too, on MLB, they were going over best uniforms, and I think the Astros placed as best uniform today. I mean, people really like the orange and the blue, navy blue, and kind of how the logo looks now and everything. So, But yeah, I mean, going back to the old roots, remember the Astros after coming off the, the brick and sand and all the different uniform changes and coming back to the what we remember and like and you know the the orange and the navy blue and and now like the padres going back to the brown and yellow that's going to be interesting to see 
And they're original. I mean, it's original colors, not just original that, that that's what the colors were with the Astros and the Padres, but it's original. There's not as many teams with the orange or the brown and yellow. Who has brown, really? I mean, <laughs> the, uh, you know, even the Cleveland Browns, right, in football, I mean, they're they're called the Browns. But, you know, I mean, brown's not one of those colors that you look at and say, oh, yeah, I want to start my slogan and my team and my, you know, apparel around brown. Uh, but, yeah, the Padres, I mean, that was one of the – Looking back at Tony Gwynn, right? I mean, what do you always imagine? I mean, it's in, in that brown and mustard, you know, jersey, right? Yeah, I think we we just we're gonna have to bring in a fashion consultant next week to go over the Oscars and then also to go over the, the these uniforms because it looks like <laughs> it's gonna be uh, a lot of fashion stuff that we've got coming up in the next few days. But uh, hey, this past week, Commissioner Rob Manford confirmed that the 22nd pitch clock will be ready to go by opening day. So we heard about it. It looks like it's going to happen. But the most interesting conversation I heard about increasing the pace of play came from Lance Berkman in an interview he did on Astroline. R.G. Berkman says instead of increasing the strike zone or widening it, baseball should shrink the strike zone. He says it sounds counterintuitive, but he believes it had forced pitchers to throw better pitches or pitchers, I guess, to throw it closer to the strike zone and hitters would get the bat off of their shoulder that way. You know, that's, it doesn't make sense in some ways, but I guess in other ways, maybe it does. I don't know. Yeah. Well, pitchers wouldn't go for that at all. Like having to like, you know, try to squeeze into an even smaller strike zone. I mean, it is, it's kind of an outside the box way of thinking at it, you know, make the the strike zone smaller. You have to, to fit in there, but it just seems like we're in an age of take, 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 and, you know, wait for your pitch and all that. So I, I don't know, maybe Lance Berkman, because he was one of the better, one of the better eyes of the plate and feels like maybe that would get the batters to swing more and put the ball in play more. But I, I don't know that that seems to be a little bit more of a stretch to me, but I, I want to also ask you about the uh, commissioner. Cause he made waves this past week because he was talking about Tony Clark, the players union uh, head at getting into him was a little bit of a war awards for him because he said that Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, believes every team wants to win. It may look a little bit different to outsiders, the way people think about the game, the way a winning team is put together. That doesn't mean teams are not trying. And a lot of people took exception with that because, I mean, they're, they're blatant examples out there of teams not winning. And Rob Manfred brought up, well, last year, Tony Clark pointed out, you know, that teams like the A's and the Rays, they had low payrolls and they ended up, of course, A's made the playoffs and, and, and the Rays ended up competing. But if you look at this upcoming season, there, there's still teams that are, that are not competing. Yeah. Let, let's, let me break it down a little bit because what, what he said, if you look at it aesthetically, it looks like, oh, that's a complete lie because teams aren't trying to win. But I think if he would have said it, everybody's trying to win a championship, then I think it makes sense because there are teams that are obviously not trying to win this year. They're trying to lose. So they get better players so they can build up, you know, a a team that's going to be able to win a championship down the road, RG. And I think, you know, if you look at it that way, it makes sense. It's not going to make Justin Verlander happy. It's not going to make some of these other players happy, but I mean, that's the fact of life. And I think what what's changed is the fact that they, they saw what happened with some longer term contracts. They got burnt Uh, owners around the, you know, major league baseball and, and they, everybody's got, you know, everybody went to Billy bean ball. Everybody went to Jeff Luno ball where, you know, Hey, if we're going to get to be great, we've got to do it by figuring out where to allocate our money. And sometimes it's just better to allocate money. I want to spend the money uh, later on. I'll, I'll blow it out. Once we've got a team that has a core around it, a young core 
that can win a championship. And that's what the Astros have done. And other teams, I think, uh, will follow suit with the Astros and have. And you're right about that. I mean, GM today, they value it differently. And, and that's part of what's caused this this kind of you know stalemate that's been going on here of late as far as like having a lot of unsigned players. But I, I thought an interesting wrinkle was, and even Ken Rosenthal reported this, and one of the proposals that came out of it a few weeks ago, that they floated of actually penalizing a team that loses 90 plus games or more in consecutive seasons or maybe three seasons consecutively, whatever they decide to do. And they've been making headway on that. So you could see it now to where, you know, Remember the Astros, they lost uh, over 100 three years in a row. They got the three number one draft picks, and they were able to do that. Well, now if you only if you do that two seasons in a row, basically essentially saying we're just not even going to try for two years, well, you might have to drop down to the bottom of the draft. So what is the purpose of doing that then? Then you maybe go back where one season you maybe throw in the towel, but it's almost like trying to reset with the luxury tax when teams like, oh, my gosh, we got to reset so we don't get on the luxury repeater tax here. It'll be like teams will be like, well, we completely tanked last season to get a high top five draft choice. But you know what? We got to go sign free agents this year because we've got at least we've got to be about a mediocre or at least not lose more than 90 games. So really try to be more competitive over the course of a season. I think that's a solution that could work because that that would get you to go out and sign more of the players that could contribute to help with a team because baseball's gotten away from that that middle ground of being 500. You see a team like this year doing it almost like the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, they're not a team anybody, oh my gosh, they're going to win a championship and they have young players, but they've been just losing for so long. They finally decided to go out and say, you know, we're going to go get Sonny Gray. Uh, we're going to go out and, you know, add to the, the the roster that we have right now, you know, and, and, and they've been making trades. They've been aggressive. They've been adding to their roster and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they're a much better ball club. I don't know if they'll, they'll be competing for a wild card spot, making the playoffs, but they're, they're definitely much more exciting than being a complete tank at all team. The other thing about having veterans down, if you do have a young team and you are trying to get these young players playing time, veterans are perfect to train these guys and help them out and, you know, that's one thing that always helps. Baseball players always say, you know, to have a guy, a vet there that's been through it, that can teach me and tell me how to handle days off, handle, you know, uh, getting ready for the ball game, you know, just all of the little stuff. I mean, we saw, I mean, how big was Carlos Beltran? I mean, that's a perfect example. I mean, yeah, that team was good enough to win. That team had some talent. But, I mean, just imagine what he can do for a team that is trying to grow a young ball club. You know, that that's why you need the veterans around. As it is right now, it's like a lot of teams like look at it, like you said earlier, hey, I'm, are we winning a championship this year? Can we even contend for a championship? Well, if, if the answer is no, it used to be, well, let's try to put the best team together and put a product out the field that fans like, no, the new general manager, the new ownership, even they, they've gone along with it, you know. You can put out a pitiful product because if in two or three years you have a championship contending ready club, you know, fans will come back and they'll watch that. We've seen it with, you know, the Houston Astros and you're seeing it now with San Diego going out, putting a a, a team after, you know, being terrible for the last few seasons. And, you know, they want to challenge Philadelphia did the same thing. They're finally putting everything together now after, you know, a couple of seasons of being abysmal. So it's like that's the model. We know it. But again, you know, in the future here, if that's penalized where you have successive seasons of you know, losing 90 or 100 games, and that can get play, you know, ownership GMs to think differently about how you approach it. You have, again, you could maybe have one bad season where you completely tank, you get a top three or four draft pick, and but then the next year you've got to 
you don't want to fall to the bottom of the draft or get fined or have any kind of penalty imposed upon you. So you'd have to go out and, you know, acquire, maybe get those, you know, middle of the the road uh, veterans or those players that could help out to, to, to have your team be better so that, you know, you're not all of a sudden. And then even if you're still in the rebuilding phase, you know, you at least get up to 85 wins that season or 80 wins and then it resets so that you could be terrible the next season, add more to your minor league system, but go out. But it wouldn't be the continual like, OK, I'm taking the three year plan like the White Sox have done right now. Again, like so many clubs are doing Miami's doing it where you're just I'm going to lose 100 games, be terrible and not put out a very good product for the next three or four years while we build up the best farm system in the game. That's the way it has been, but it's just not good for baseball. A lot of people are turned off by I mean, we were turned off by it in Houston. I mean, the Astros had a zero rating during that 2013 season. I mean, and now the Astros are beloved. So, I mean, but it doesn't always work out that way. The Astros really, they were the forerunners of it. You have to give Jeff Luno a lot of credit, Jim Crane, for sticking by it. I mean, the Astros did it, and it was exceptional. It worked out. We have a World Series. I want to trade that. We went to trade that World Series title. We waited so long for it. But it's not going to maybe work out for every other team doing it this way, especially now that the herd, the masses are, everybody's kind of following that same pattern. Yeah. It took a lot of luck. It takes a lot of luck to win a championship, no matter who you are, or what you're doing. And, but the Astros also are, are trying to build this thing for an extended run too. So it's not just uh, one year for the Astros. Uh, I, I don't know if you had anything else, RG. I do want to bring up one more thing that just it's cool news i mentioned lance berkman he also said on astroline that he's going to be calling some astros games this year in the booth with the tv guys just like jeff bagwell's done over the last few years look lance berkman i i could listen to him talk all day i mean him and bagwell they are really good in front of a microphone i mean berkman may not like it bagwell may not like it as something that they want to do permanently but those two guys are really interesting to listen to and they've always got takes that I'm not expecting or is stuff that I, I learn stuff from them all the time. Yeah, no, I mean, Lance has always been funny. He was great. We even went back in his playing days. I mean, he was honest with and forthright and, you know, journalists really like covering guys that will say exactly what they're, they're thinking. And, and Lance Berkman was that way. So, I mean, on telecast, he should be great. And like you said, Bagwell's also done it over the years. So, I mean, I guess I'm still a little bit disappointed that Lance Berkman, because we watched him for so many years, that he dropped off the hall of fame ballot after one season. I mean, this is one of the, the best switch hitters over the last, you know, what, 30, 40, since Mickey Mantle retired, you know, in baseball, and the guy doesn't even get a chance to, you know, even if he's not a Hall of Fame player, and we've already discussed this, but, you know, he should have at least, you know, merited some consideration for several years. And then maybe the Veterans Committee takes it up rather than just being knocked off one and done. Yeah, he's better than probably 50% of the guys in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I, we know that, right, RG? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I mean, a lot of like the Hall of Fame is longevity. So if a guy, you know, is able to – and Lance Berkman, if I, I feel like if he had played into his 40s, if he had been able to play, you know, from – not let's say not, you know what it was his debut 1998-99 until you know 2017-18 you know he'd be in the hall of fame for sure even just compiling those kind of magic numbers and everything it was just injuries and kind of you know that basically kind of eventually forced him out of the game i was trying to give a hot take there i was hoping something maybe we would trend on twitter or something like that yeah yeah he's probably eh, he's not probably not better than 50 percent of the hall but there's probably some guys that he's better at, that are in the hall of fame when you look at uh, Berkman, when he was 
at his best. Hey, before we go here, I just want to uh, ask you, though, one more baseball question. Now that Manny Machado signed, where do you think the best fits are for A, Bryce Harper, B, Dallas Keuchel, C, Craig Kimbrell, D, uh, Marwin Gonzalez? I think the best fits are all those guys. It's with the Astros, right? I mean, the Astros still need another guy in the rotation, a lefty. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez is still would be the best guy coming off the bench for the Astros right now. Craig Kimbrell would be a great arm to have out of the bullpen. Hey, they almost traded for Bryce Harper last. Uh, I mean, they had a deal in principle, Jeff Luno said, and it fell through. So I think Tillman Fertina said this week that he would pay for Bryce Harper's contract if, as long as he would uh, go play for the Cougs in the offseason. And he would uh, promote Landry's and all the different restaurants. Yeah. Though, uh, no, do you have a, you think that Bryce Harper, do you think Phillies, Nationals, Giants, where it makes the most sense for him of the teams remaining now that San Diego's gone out and signed Manny Machado? I don't know. I mean, if you want to win, I guess what the Phillies makes the most sense the way they're trending upward right now. I would think so. Well, because of a, because of uh, that citizens bank ballpark, right? The Philadelphia ballpark's a great hitters park. B, so, I mean, he can compile statistics there. And then also, yeah, they have a great young core. They've got an ownership that'll, that'll spend. They're in a major market. To me, that seems like the most logical place. But who knows? We Nobody would have thought at the very beginning of this offseason if you were to say, hey, Manny Machado, where's he going to end up? Remember, everybody was talking about, well, the Yankees and maybe the Dodgers resign him. Or wait, he could go to the Chicago White Sox, another major market. I mean, who in their right mind? Philadelphia, of course, was in there. Who in their right mind said San Diego Padres? And look where he ended up, so... Who knows? A couple other baseball notes I've got, but uh, we haven't talked to a ton of Texans. You know, not a lot happening over there, but they, a real weird story. They recently released uh, Texans wide receiver Demarius Thomas this past weekend. Uh, he crashed his car in Denver. Uh, well, they released him last week, this past weekend. He crashed his car in Denver. It rolled over three times. Wow. They had to use the jaws of life to get him out. Thankfully, he was okay. No arrests or citations after the crashes. The person that was in the car with him, a woman, I think, was not in good shape. But, boy, you talk about a bad week for Demarius Thomas, you know, just getting dumped by the Texans and then rolling your car. Uh, that's not good. So uh, all the best to to him and, and, and the uh, passenger in there. RG, we got to say RIP to a couple of baseball legends and trailblazers uh, who we've lost over the last couple of weeks. I apologize for not bringing this up last week. But let me start off by talking about Frank Robinson. I mean, that was huge, RG. I mean, this guy, one of the one of the great baseball players in history, period. One of the great baseball players in history, won uh, National League and an American League, a most valuable player, uh, was uh, the first uh, African-American major uh, major league manager. Yeah, f- first, first, first black manager. And, and also, uh, he was the 89 manager of the year, so he was a good manager. But this is, oh, yeah. you know, his resume, triple crown winner, Hall of Fame, 14-time All-Star. You mentioned the two MVPs, World Series MVP, 586 home runs, 294 average, nearly 3,000 hits, 2943. Presidential Medal of Freedom, that's kind of a big deal. And he's got a statue in front of three, three major league ballparks. You know, Bijou and Bagwell really slacking there. They've only got the one, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Slacking behind. This week also, uh, Don Newcomb passed away. He's a former teammate with two of our guests on the Brooklyn Dodgers, former Astro Bob Aspermani and handsome Ransom Jackson. All three of them were on that 56 Dodgers team. That year, Don Newcomb won the Cy Young and the MVP. Same year, he was the first player ever to win 
the rookie of the year, Cy Young, and MVP over the course of his career. So, RG, here's the question I've got for you. He was the first guy ever to do that. Rookie of the year, Cy Young, MVP in his career. Who was the next guy to do that? And I'm going to give you a hint. He's a current Houston Astro. Is that uh, uh, Justin Verlander then? Justin Verlander in 2011 was the first guy to do it since Don Newcomb did it back in the fifth. Unbelievable uh, stat there for you. Remember that Newcomb along with Sandy Koufax threw out the first pitch in game seven of the Astros-Dodgers uh, World Series game. You probably remember that, right, RG? Right, right, of course, yeah. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the field tonight's pitchers. A member of the 1955 World Champion Dodgers, Don Newcomb. In uh, 1949, he was the first black pitcher to start a World Series game. He was among those first wave of ball players to break the color barrier right behind Jackie Robinson. Barack Obama once said, I would not be here if it were not for Jackie Robinson and Don Newcomb. Uh, Newcomb's career cut short because of alcohol, but not only did he get sober, he then went on to help others. In fact, Dodgers great Maury Will said Don Newcomb saved his life. He said, quote, he was a channel for God's love for me because he chased me all over Los Angeles trying to help me. And I just couldn't understand that, but he persevered. He wouldn't give in. And my life is wonderful today because of Don Newcomb. Again, that's Dodgers great Maury Will's on Don Newcomb, who passed away at the age of 92. By the way, it was his first year in the majors, um, was the last year in the majors of my guest, Buddy Blattner. Check out that conversation. Buddy Blattner was Major League Baseball's first voice on the nationally televised game of the week. Everybody in the nation was watching Blattner and Dizzy Dean tell stories. Ask your mom or grandparents or dad how big a deal those guys were. And Blattner, you know, he passed away 10 years ago. Our conversation was 25 years ago. If you listen to the interview, you'll find out why and how I unearthed this long lost interview in the podcast. You'll hear him tell stories about working with Bill Veck, uh, calling three foot six inch Eddie Goodell's major league debut. And he'll explain how he became a world champion table tennis player at age 16. So RG it's, I mean, it's something that I found in, in, in the archives and I think it's a pretty cool podcast. I mean, we've, we've had some pretty interesting ones, but you know, it, it's not often where you can get an interview with a guy that nobody's heard. And it's been 10, 10 years now since he, uh, since he passed away. Yeah. I mean, people should all go listen to a lot of your great interviews there in the vault. Yeah. Check out the vault. If you want to know, uh, who all we've had on the show over the years, go to HoustonSportsTalk.net. Just go into the About section. I've put up all of those names, and you know I put them into categories. So you're like, oh, who, what, which Astros or Texans or Rockets or whoever, Oilers, Cougars, whatever. It's all on the About in the About section on HoustonSportsTalk.net. That's all we got for this one. Uh, we'll talk to you again really soon. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. Give us a five-star review on iTunes when you get the chance and tell your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.